0: Hi, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA's Speaking of Suppliers podcast. Paul Van Meter, founder of ProShop ERP, has joined me today, and we are going to discuss ProShop ERP and its role in our industry. Welcome, Paul.
1: Thank you, Miles. I appreciate being here with you today.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. Your company joined PMPA in November of 2020, we all remember 2020, don't we?
1: <laughs> Very much so, yes. Don't think we'll ever forget.
0: But but your solution, this ProShop ERP, it's actually not a brand new thing. It's been 20 years.
1: Yeah, yeah, 23 actually. So, uh, But most of that time was not publicly available on the market. Uh, so the story with ProShop is... I started a, a machine shop right out of college with, Yay! Some, with some buddies. Yep. Yay. I, I, I actually just talked to a client this morning that did just that himself. I didn't know that his story. It was super inspiring. So hopefully more people uh, get that idea because we need a lot more machine shops in our country. Um, but, uh, you know, started right out of college. Uh, we knew we wanted to be kind of a, a modern kind of paperless type of company. Um, and so we started with using, we actually put machine computers right out at our machines immediately, right? The very first machine we had, had a computer right next to it.
0: All right. Time out. This is 20 years ago. What did that sucker look like?
1: Well, it was a, uh, it was probably a, um, the original, original Pentium or maybe even a 486 yeah, okay. and it had a 17 inch CRT monitor that weighed about 60 pounds. <laughs> um <laughs> took up not... took up the
0: hatchback of a car Exactly. right
1: exactly it was not the sleek modern you know 100 dollar you know monitor that's uh, half an inch thick today um but uh but we you know developed a pretty sophisticated set of excel spreadsheets that had all of our you know work offsets and our and our tooling lists and our inspection plan and the Were the links to the G code and um, all the things that we as machinists needed to have our setups be efficient, have our production, you know, run smoothly, keep quality in check. Uh, And uh, that was really the core of what originally, you know, was sort of the the prototype, if you will, of what ProShop turned out to be. Um, So
0: forgive me, but how does someone who just decides out of college to start a machine shop know about all that stuff and know to put it in rows and columns and it'll be there when you need it that's that's kind of a pretty sophisticated start
1: well i mean i appreciate it uh it's very kind um you know the program we went through was actually a vehicle design program so we basically got to design and build race cars for our college experience, which was about the most fun thing I could ever imagine doing in the world at that age. exactly, um, it was, it was so much fun and it but it was very intensive. And every year we would design and build a new car and uh, we'd design it in September, October in the, into the wintertime, we'd start machining the parts and putting, welding the frames and putting all together. And then the spring we'd start hopefully testing it if we had enough time, didn't always work out that way. Uh, And then in May, we'd go compete against about 100 other universities. And so we had to be, you know, fairly digital uh, in what we were doing, because it was so intensive, we didn't have time to be messing around with, you know, lots of manual things. So we were, you know, we were very proficient with Excel. um, And uh, my partner, Kelsey, was good enough that he knew some he figured out how to make some visual basic macros that could like spawn new worksheets and you'd click a button and it would do cool things and copy sheets and stuff like that. So, you know, that's what we had available because Excel was inexpensive. Um, We certainly didn't, didn't have enough money for an ERP system or even quite honestly know what ERP software was because we'd never worked anywhere besides delivering pizza. Um, and so as we Got a little bit larger. About three years in, we had about a dozen employees, and that Excel-based system was becoming a bit too cumbersome. Right, right. We'd we'd be like, "Hey, can you close that sheet because I need to open it," and you know, all those kinds of things. Um, And so we pulled down literally. We had a we had the Thomas Guide, you know, the big like twenty all those green books. All the big green books. We had that up on the shelf in the office, and we. Pulled one down that was in the software category, and we started leafing through it, trying to understand what kind of software was even available to us. Again, because we never worked in a manufacturing company before, so we found, you know, we found the section, and we started calling on companies. And some of them would send some salespeople out to give us demos. There certainly were not web-based demos back in two thousand. <laughs> um, and uh, but we were really excited. Quite honestly, we were just kind of jazzed to, to see what amazing software there was that could help us run our shop. Uh, and as we started getting demos and having conversations about our needs, we were just really disappointed by what they were showing us. We we're like, okay, show us how we can get all our setup sheets and our tool lists and our inspection plans. And in universally, they all said, no, we don't do that. And we said, what do you mean? You're, you're supposed to be job shop software that's like one of the most important things about a job shop is executing on the floor. And they're like, yeah, but we still don't do that. So you'll still need Excel for all those things, but you can use our software to, you know, make invoices and packing slips and buy things from your vendors and put in sales orders. And you can print out paper job traveler packets that go out on the shop floor. And we were like, but we're already paperless. So we don't want to introduce paper to our shop floor. That's that just gets lost on the shop floor. It's, you know, it's just a waste. Um, and so rather than buying one of those products, we just decided to hire a software developer and build something for ourselves. And very naively, we thought that after only a year or two, uh, he would be finished building something for us. And then we could just keep using it forevermore.
0: Tee hee hee. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) But we just kept coming up with new things we wanted and new features and new modules. And just, it just went on for years. And, uh. So about eight years later, uh, our biggest machine shop customer, I love this story. So a guy named Rich, he worked for a company down in Seattle, and uh, he was the production manager, but we had become good friends over the years because we were one of their biggest suppliers. And uh, he said, hey, I'm looking, my kids are getting a little older. He was a huge sports guy. And he said, I want to build a sports court in my backyard, you know, with a, with a basketball hoop and other things. And he's like, but my wife told me I can build it, but I have to earn all the money Outside of my regular day job, I can't divert anything from my paycheck to help build the sports court. So he said, "Can I come up and like work for you on the weekends?" And we were pretty busy at the time, and we said, "Yeah, absolutely, we could use the help." So he came up and he he ran machines, he did setups, he you know he, he worked on the weekend on our weekend shift, and he used Pro Shop to do that. And he came to us just you know a week or so after starting on the weekend, and he said. He's like, this is amazing software. This is so much better than what our shop uses because they were a machine shop as well. Right. And uh, well, actually, they're an OEM of aerospace hardware, but they had a big machine shop in house um, and did a lot of their own machining, too. And he said, you know, who did you buy this from? I want to call him up and buy it. And we said, well, we, we built it ourselves. And he said, really? He said, would you sell it to us? And we were like, no, definitely not. We are not a software company. <laughs> um, But as you know, know, the customer is always right. And so eventually they convinced us and we thought about it and decided, all right, let's give it a shot. And that was in in 2009. And uh, so ProShop, we had been building it internally for about about nine years. And so we we installed it at their company and went through, you know, converted a lot of their data from their old ERP into it. And uh, in about three months time, they they were a company of about 35 people um, and, you know, about 10 in the office and 20 or so on the shop floor. And they freed up three full-time overhead positions almost immediately. They had two full-time expediters that all they did was run around and try to expedite jobs. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I was that person in a
1: prior life. Yes. Uh, so they didn't need, they didn't need those folks. So they repurposed them into more value-added roles. Uh, They freed up one of their two planners uh, almost immediately as well. They dropped their inventory by over a million dollars. And their on-time delivery went from, you know, very poor to exceptionally high numbers in just a few months time. And uh, all of us were just blown away by the impact that it had on them. And so then they, they of course, uh, being an OEM themselves, they outsourced machining work to a lot of other shops. Uh, including competitors of ours. And they said, hey, you know, you have been like you, you guys have always been one of our highest performing shops um, and you've helped us become higher performing. Do you think you could help some of our other vendors become higher performing? And I were like, do you mean our competitors? And they're like, yeah, those guys. I'm like, okay, (laughs) sure. We're we're game. So they introduced us to another uh, good sized machine shop in the Seattle area who became our next customer. And they also had, just incredible results, just in, enormous throughput improvements, on-time delivery improvements, quality improvements. Um, and it was, you know, through this period of time that really kind of got us thinking that, you know what, guys, I think we might be onto something a little bigger than just running a machine shop. And we could have a pretty positive impact, you know, in in the machine shop world if we could, you know, offer this to, to more companies.
0: I call that uh, operating at our highest and best use.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we we were a good machine shop. We made nice parts and and uh, we were on time. But you know, when when we delivered, you know, a delivery of parts on time, you know, with good quality and good paperwork, you know, that made the buyer's day and they were pleased by that. But yeah. it didn't have a posit, It didn't have a, like a really meaningful impact in their lives. And when we saw. Yeah what Rich and his coworkers and this other shop, what it meant to their lives. Like, you know, Rich was like way less stress level after Pro Shop, you know. You know, they didn't have those those expediters running around stressing everyone out, you know, yelling about getting their jobs out on time. Um, so, you know, it just, it really made an impact to the people. And that was hugely impactful to us. We were like, yeah, this is something we could get excited about. So we started making plans to sell the machine shop and go full-time into the software business.
0: That's that's really a great story. And and the thing that I like about it is, it, you know, I came up in the days when it was silos and, you know, the, the idea that you could put your purchasing on one side and you could put your sales on the other side, but all that stuff in the middle belongs on Excel sheets for those those. Operating people, you know, uh, it seems to me like you should have probably chosen Caterpillar tractor uh, colors instead of orange because (laughs) you just bulldozed all those silos. I mean, I look at the modules you offer and it's like, holy crap, this this is the system that runs the system.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. And sometimes it's, it's interesting to hear a third party perspective on it because I'm so in the weeds. Um, yeah, I mean, it really is an operating system for the whole business. Right. Uh, And from, it even gets into sales and marketing, it gets into, you know, obviously all the QMS, uh, functions, it gets into cybersecurity now. Um, it just, you know, the clients that, that, uh, get the most out of it are the ones that buy into it the deepest and they just sort of, you know. and I've had clients tell me, he's like, you know, when, you know, like when we started implementing pro shop, we tried to mold it to the way we used to run our company and we tried to customize it and tweak all the fields and do all these crazy things. Wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And then we realized that that was just, you know, after much hitting their head against the wall and a lot of consternation.
0: Why not stay on the paved road?
1: Yeah. That, that, you know, whenever they did something the way that we advocated for that actually went really smoothly. And so like, all right, we're basically, if ProShop says to do it, we're going to do it that way. And it's, it's incredible the impact that shops have had when they just really go all in. Um, Because, and I'll, and I'll give full credit to, you know, my partner, Kelsey and and a lot of the people. So, you know, ProShop being designed and built in our, in our shop, was, you know, largely based on the feedback of all the machinists and the programmers and the inspectors and the buyers and the people in receiving and shipping. Like they every day were giving us feedback about what they needed and what they wanted it to do. So it really was not designed by software people. It was, it was coded by some software people, but it was designed by people on the shop floor.
0: Well, I think that's interesting. So to me, one of the, one of the questions, one of the difficulties about sales is, you know, who's the real customer? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when I see ERP, okay, that's software, talk to the IT guy, you know, oh, it's got, uh, bring the purchasing people, oh, you know, the controller. But, but this is truly organizational. This is, almost institutional. It's like the skeleton and muscles of the institution. And so so how do you make a sale like that? Who's the real owner of the buy-in on on the ERP on 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 deciding to change the business to go with uh, you know this paved road, if you
1: will? Well I firmly believe it has to be an entire buy-in by the whole organization, all the leaders. Uh, we have, you know, the companies that again have had the most success, the fastest, easiest implementations, had just incredible alignment uh, with their leadership team and their owners, and you know, everyone that helped run the business, and and they in turn got buy-in from all the machinists and inspectors and people on the shop floor, because of course, if you have people digging their heels in there, that's never going to go well. Um, so. I I firmly believe it's got to be a collaborative research process from people in operations and quality and planning and programming and scheduling and accounting. Um, They've all got to, you know, see how it'll impact their departments, their personal roles in the company. Um, And I definitely caution people to to not let the finance department run the whole show. You know, a lot of ERPs traditionally have been accounting-based systems. With some rudimentary manufacturing functionality thrown in. Uh, and often, you know sometimes the, the finance department you know steers the decision making into something that, that they really like, but leaves the, the whole operational team just woefully inadequate with just really terrible tools. Um, And last time I checked, a manufacturing company makes its money by manufacturing things, not by accounting with things. Right. So it is important that accounting be clean. Finance has good tools to, you know, get their numbers and keep the books tidy. And
0: actually, they should have good numbers and and getting that reported off the off the floor is kind of the first principle. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. So. um Anyway, it's got to be a collaborative effort. There's no doubt about it. Um, And the companies that do the best collaboration have the best success, hands down.
0: All right. So you used a word once or twice in our conversation so far. And uh, I think it's important that we have clarity. Our people are listening. They're not seeing. So I want to be sure we get this defined right. So you used a word, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you said the word paperless. Yes, So I'd like you to define for our audience what the heck you really mean when you say paperless, because I've seen some paperless shops that still had the Staples truck come in every three weeks.
1: (laughs) I love how you say that. That's really funny. Um, Yeah, so, and, and I'll share an anecdote. So we, back in our shop days... Um, we hired a, um, a customer service slash planner sort of person who was going to help us with the whole front end of, you know, taking on jobs and doing contract review and getting them queued up into the shop and and then keep customers apprised of status. And so, you know, sh- we hired her and she started and we started into training and doing all of our stuff. And it was a good three months. It was a full three months before she came to me and she said, she said, Paul, I, I hate to ask this. Where's the printer? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, you've worked here for three months. And you've not once had to print a piece of paper. Like we have succeeded in, you know, our goal of being paperless. Um, and that's a that's a true story. And so what I mean by paperless is that you sh- the ERP should support workflows that do not require printing a single piece of paper from the entire you know beginning to end process of quoting and estimating jobs receiving orders doing contract review doing planning doing scheduling doing purchasing doing job you know the the work orders themselves which are traditionally a a job traveler packet right that goes around in a folder or a plastic sleeve on the shop floor with all the other ancillary documents you know the drawing the setup notes, the, you know, whatever needs to be in there. Um, All of that, you know, through procurement to vendors. And so really the very realistically, the first thing that needs to be printed is packing slips, right? Um, (laughs) You're going to print it off and stick it in the box or, or put it on for your vendor to sign off when you deliver it to your anodizer or whatever, like that's the first time. Yeah. And labels. So, um, and you know even in our own shop we didn't use printed labels for jobs we had uh laminated cards that we would use you know we'd write on with sharpies uh but we would just wipe those off with with, with alcohol at the end and reuse them so although the card itself was originally printed we would use it hundreds of times over and over again um so that's what i mean by a paperless system you well know?
0: i didn't see that coming
1: yeah I mean, I that's the most logical way I can think of being paperless is you have to have functionality that supports not having to print things yeah. for people to know what to do and to share information back into the system.
0: So to me, if we you know start with the end in mind and you know work backwards, uh, to make that work, you really have to establish, a robust IT trustable storage file. I don't know what you call it. I'm you know. Yeah. My Commodore. I bought the 1541 disk drive for my Commodore. Right. <laughs> uh, but you've got a. I mean. So let's talk about this on the cloud. This yeah. in a Brinks armored car in a fireproof safe room in your in your <laughs> closet and a. Another one in Key Largo. What's going on here for security? Because <laughs> you know I got no paper to to prove it. And right. you know I was at Boeing's factory of the future in in England a couple of years back. And the th- the lesson I brought back was, you could not inspect a part into conformance for Boeing if you lost identity, if you lost traceability. You couldn't test it. You couldn't measure it. You couldn't put it on a CMM. You couldn't get an analysis from an outside lab. The identification trail, that forensic trail, that chain of evidence, mm-hmm. was in fact the quality of that part. The part yeah. just happened to be the thing that you got paid <laughs> that, for. Absolutely. And, and so this IT piece of this seems to me to be pretty important.
1: Yeah, it's it's fundamental. Uh, so yeah, as far as traceability in the shop floor, as you said, that is paramount. And the majority of our clients do serve the aerospace business, the commercial space business, the defense business. You know, most of them are in some kind of regulated industry, medical device. So yeah, if you lose traceability, you basically need to throw those parts away. Um, and right. think so about it. So I'm not going to put this on Amazon Cloud, right? I mean, that's you absolutely are going to put on Amazon cloud. And am. That's where, that's where the vast majority of our clients are hosted on either gov cloud. Uh, if they need a gov cloud type instance, if they're supporting, you know, defense or commercial or aerospace um, and, or if they're, you know, serving medical or whatever, they can be on a regular, uh, a regular uh, AWS instance. But um, so yes, so traceability is of utmost importance and, and, you know job tags and job job labels are the the primary way that we do that physical piece uh they could be you know reusable tags that get uh you know that get tagged onto uh the part itself um it, 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 you know there's so many shops that make so many different types of parts from you know from swiss shops that make you know you could fit 10,000 parts in in a cup um because they're only you know 50 thou long and 20 thou diameter yeah. um to, you know we have clients that make parts that weigh 100 tons you know, for one part. Um, so <clears throat> depending on what types and size and shapes of parts you make, that will that will affect the labeling requirements. But um, that is fundamental. So let's just get that out of the way. You got to have labels, you got to have tags and always be able to identify what the parts are on the shop floor. Uh, generally speaking these days, those tags will, will often have a QR code on them. So someone can walk up with a mobile device, uh, and just scan, uh, you know, scan the code and see exactly what job that is. Um, look at the approved drawing, look at the latest first article report, you know, all from their screen, uh, as opposed to, you know, the old days where you have a paper traveler and that is the controlling document that is, you know, people are signing off with either right. stamps or yep. with hand, handwritten, you know, initials on every step. What happens when you need to split that job because you need to send a partial ahead to get to your customers on time delivery, right? Do you print off an entirely new traveler? Uh, what do you do with that? So, well, that's Shop, what the
0: copier and that Staples truck delivering reams of papers. <laughs>
1: for. Yeah. So, with ProShop, you just print off a, another job tag, you know, or attach it or whatever you're doing. Um, super easy. You can do. I mean, you can do, we have clients that have specific labels for partials. Um, So just very easy, very lightweight. Um, But uh, as far as the, the, where, you know, moving past the, the physical, the physical labeling and traceability, the digital trail that goes with that part, that again is really what you're selling, right? Right. The The part is the thing you get paid for but the documentation package that goes with it, that is, that is what the customer really values. Yes. Um, so yeah, again, the vast majority of our clients are on the cloud. Uh, we do have a small handful that are on premise, but even those clients are fully browser based, right? They have computers at each of their machines with a web browser. Um, and they're just browsing a local, uh, web, you know, a local website basically. Um, but that's generally true only if they have just completely terrible internet service um, or for some reason, you know, that owner might be just so nervous about the cloud that they want to be on premise. Um, yeah, well, there's which,
0: there's a few of us left.
1: That's true. And it's that's totally fair. And we have all the patience in the world. Um, but, it, you know, it's proving out more and more that the cloud is absolutely safer than on premise. There's no doubt about that. Um, You know, we do, although we do have a few clients that are completely behind air gaps, so you cannot access the system right at all. And, uh, you know, it's like completely disconnected from the internet and that is pretty darn secure. Um, there's no doubt about that, but it's still much more expensive from an IT perspective and maintenance perspective, backups and all that. Yeah,
0: that would be, uh, that would be a whole nother podcast adventures behind the air gap. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, I like that title. So, uh,
0: um, let's, let's move on to another thing that I think is, uh, is interesting. So the past, two years, if you'd have taken a poll of shops, they'd have said supply chain was their biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. They'd have absolutely said supply chain was their biggest challenge. In many ways, it was also their biggest opportunity because if they had material, if they had tools, they could ship and nobody else could. So that was good. But if you ask them today, they're going to talk about workforce. Mm-hmm. And yep. earlier in our conversation, you said how, you know, these expediters got repurposed and uh, one of the planners got, uh, got a, a different assignment. So uh, how does moving to one of these integrated paperless hosted on the cloud by Amazons, so, uh, how, does, how does that impact workforce and skill deployment in our shops?
1: Well, it does and it doesn't. Um... I think in and of itself, you know, cloud-based systems allow, um, can allow, uh, remote work, um, but only if it's designed to be paperless as well. <clears throat> you know, we have plenty of competitors out there that do offer cloud-based systems, but they still require printing all the job travelers, right? right. Um, so when and we saw this at the beginning of COVID. In fact, one of our biggest sales months ever was was. It was April of 2020. Um, as soon as the lockdown started happening, we just got flooded with orders with people realizing that their paper-based processes were not going to allow them to, you know, to navigate what was coming. Uh, so we, we absolutely had people who sent their office workers home. And even well beyond when the lockdown stopped, those people kept working from home. Um, you know, there, we did a whole webinar about it. There are so many roles in a machine shop that can completely be done remotely. If you, if you realize that you don't have to print paper anymore. So your estimating can be done remotely. Your order entry can be done remotely. Your sales can certainly be done remotely. Your um, scheduling, your planners, your CNC programmers, until you need to start physically like receiving goods and receiving, and then setting up machines. That's of course, when you need to have people in the shop. Um, so it does widen, uh, the, you know, the base of people you could possibly employ. Um, and we've still seen this. We've had people that have moved States because of family search situations and they still retain, <clears throat> or they still maintain employment with their original, you know, shop, uh, even though they're a thousand miles away now. Um, It opens up the hiring pool. If you're looking for new people and you want, you know, an estimator or a planner, but they live in Georgia and you're in North Dakota, you can employ that person, no problem. Um, So it definitely opens that up. And then the other big part of it is on the shop floor. And I'll tell you another just fantastic story. So I was at a shop near Portland, Oregon, and I know a lot of the shops in Portland and, uh, I was. On there, we were there shooting a video and I was there, it had gone on to the night shift and, um, I was still there. It was probably like six or 7 PM. And I was, I saw a, a very a fairly young guy. He must've been in his early twenties and he was setting up a five axis mill. And this is a client that had both Swiss machines and some five axis milling as well. And, uh, he was setting up that five axis and I went over to him and I said, you know, Hey, my name is Paul. And, and, uh, I said, uh, how long have you been working here? And he said, Oh, about six months. And I, you know, I said, okay. Um, so that clearly means I said to myself, that clearly means you came from another shop because you've only been here six months and you're setting up a five axis machine on night shift. I said, so what other shop did, you know, what shop did you come from? Cause I probably know it. And he said, Oh, I came from KFC. And I said, like, KFC, I'm racking my brain. I'm like, I don't know. Like what shop is that?
0: It's run by the (laughs)
1: colonel. yeah he's like no kentucky fried chicken and i'm and i said i'm like wait a second i'm like is this your first machining job he's like yeah i'm like and you're setting up a five axis mill on night shift without any other support from the office he's like yeah i'm like are you like a virtuoso or like how in the world are you doing this and he, he he said well come over here and he showed me his his screen and on ProShop, he had videos and pictures and full rich media of how to set up this machine that the day shift people and the programmers had created for him. And I was like, Holy cow. Like I, I never even conceived of pro shop helping enable, you know, really like, so this guy clearly had good mechanical aptitude, right? He loved right. motorcycles. He knew how to use tools, you know, he knew his way around, you know, a toolbox, but, um, but he'd never done machining before, but yet he could follow really good work instructions, visually presented to him um, and successfully, you know, set up this machine after six months. And so- That's
0: another silo blown.
1: Yeah, exactly. So at that point I'm like, wow, you know, this is just another great sort of sales tool, marketing type of thing. Like you you can enable, you know, less, more junior people that, you know, maybe you have great mechanical aptitude, but never thought about machining as a career to more quickly get up to speed and be productive on your shop floor, rather than having to go through years of, you know, technical training, um, you know, at a community college or some kind of technical program. So anyway, that's another way it can help enable, um, the workforce challenges. Yeah.
0: Well, I, again, you know, when I, I hear ERP, then I think MRP, and then I remember expediting, and it isn't here until you put your foot on it, Mr. Free. And yeah, you know, I, I got some baggage, but when I hear how this system that runs the systems can integrate everything, including setups, including the traceability, the quality management systems, the compliance evidence the, the uh you know chains of evidence for for quality and traceability purposes i mean this is just uh you know i know erp is what people look for but it seems to me it's it's an insufficient name for what what the functionality you describe
1: you know we 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 debated that and sort of racked our brains for a long time and quite honestly still are you know, ERP is what people search for. It's what people go to directories right. and look up. But it really doesn't describe uh, the whole of what ProShop does. So years ago, we came up with an acronym, um, which we've actually seen a few other companies pick up on, um, called DME, Digital Manufacturing Ecosystem. And it's it's definitely not taken off. It's not a whole new category on Captera or anything like that. But um, <laughs> it does encompass like ProShop is an ecosystem and it is digital and it's all about manufacturing.
0: And it lives and, in the cloud.
1: And it lives in the cloud. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it is hard to convey because people don't generally think about what all the things are that we do as part of their search for a solution. You know, generally they're like, They're driven by, um, you know, they need better scheduling. Yeah, their pain point. Yeah, their biggest pain points. You know, job costing or scheduling or a few other things like that, um, without really thinking about the greater picture of what uh, a system like ProShop can offer. Uh, Yeah. So.
0: Well, I want to thank you for for coming on and uh, humoring me with my uh, (laughs) some of my. Quaint ways of thinking about this. Is there anything I should have asked you, Paul? Is there anything we missed?
1: Um, well, I mentioned cybersecurity briefly. Uh, that is increasingly really, really important to, to manufacturers. Uh, certainly those that are in the defense supply chain or serving the government in any way. Yeah. And if will, they don't know now, they will next year. <laughs> they sure will. Um, and hopefully they're already working on it, uh, for the cybersecurity maturity model certification or CMMC, yep. CMMC. but I am, I'm already seeing it, uh, sort of flow down, uh, informally to other industries that also want their data to be secure. You know a medical device company or a commercial aerospace company or someone in high tech or robotics they don't want their data to be hacked from their vendors so uh, they don't want to
0: see their their print (laughs) on (laughs) scribed
1: they definitely don't so uh so it will become increasingly important and we believe that the 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 erp the mrp the whatever acronym you want to use can be and should be an absolutely critical fundamental piece of the cybersecurity posture of a company. Uh, And some companies are, uh, some shops are reverting to, you know, bringing things back on premise and trying to lock everything down, put it behind the air gap or whatever. Air gap, yeah. But that is such an incredibly expensive, uh, and if it's not air gapped, it's definitely not more secure than the cloud. Um, You know, lots of people think that it, it is, if they can have a firewall and they can, you know, uh, put those things in place with hardware and software. Yeah, yeah, but there's
0: people, there's people, it, there's most jump of it. Drives.
1: <laughs> absolutely. And even, you know, the human, the human element is the most risky element of any security, you know, position. Um, you know, if, if, a if an employee still has access to email, they can click on something uh, that sends them to some kind of malware and that now you have a Trojan on your network and they brick your system. And after, after exfiltrating it and then holding it ransom and asking you to pay half a million dollars to get it back. And we've had clients where that happened on their networks, but their ProShop data was in the cloud and was not affected at all. So um, anyway, we, we have been putting a ton of effort in the last few years to get ProShop ready for CMMC uh both the product itself and our company so we are in the process of getting FedRAMP moderate certified which it will be a requirement for any company like ours a cloud service provider that's hosting controlled unclassified information um and we truly believe in the model and we've already seen clients do this where uh you're familiar with the term cui controlled unclassified information yes so that is you know imagine a drawing or a 3d model or a bill of materials or, or anything that, you know, that is related to a defense article, right? Uh, That's considered CUI. And that is one of the more fundamental things we're trying to protect with CMMC. And so we can envision, and we already are seeing clients go to a pretty much zero CUI in the facility model, right? There is nothing digitally stored, uh, on their local workstations or their, their servers at all that have CUI. Uh, the one thing we haven't figured out quite yet is G-code. It's pretty hard to get around the fact that you need G-code on your machines and therefore you need to have it, um, you know. Local. Local, to some degree. But we the way we do our file management is completely unique to any other ERP we've ever seen. Uh, so we basically can allow our clients to take, you know, CUI data from their customers' portals. Hopefully, their customers aren't emailing it to them, um, and directly save it to our, you know, GovCloud uh, secure file storage, and then directly connect that storage to their machines and to their CAD workstations, where you can open up a 3D model in memory, do your programming on it, and then close it out without ever storing that, no that file. That file, no copy of it on your local network at all, um, and uh, scrape
0: so, this, <laughs> scrape <yeah>. this hacker.
1: <laughs> so it really minimizes the cost and complexity of CMMC compliance if you have no CUI in the facility at all.
0: Well, uh, that's that's something for our our shop owners to think about. I mean, they're still looking at the quiz and how do I get 125 points wrong on a hundred right. point quiz? So. <laughs>
1: And so, you know, with two factor authentication and all these other things, and we just came out with a new product called ProShop Safe, which basically is, is an acronym as well for secure access file ecosystem. And it allows the file storage and access and sharing of it uh, in, a, in a way that is compliant to the NIST 800-171, which is what the CMMC standard is, is built it's on. It's based on, right? So uh, we are genuinely trying to help our clients reduce the cost and complexity of, of meeting the standard in a way that makes it accessible, because we know there are many shops that do some, uh, you know, some defense work, but not a ton. And they may decide to get out of the business entirely of, you know, and not right. serve because it's just too expensive. No return. They're, no return. They're, exactly. They're looking at bids of, you know, hundred grand to $250,000 to help become CMMC compliant. And that's just, we think that's, you know, an order of magnitude more than it should be. Um, and trying to offer some tools that genuinely can help them uh along that journey. So, that's a big one. Um and then lastly, I just I just want to say thank you to every shop out there, you know, that there's nothing in our modern I'm preaching to the choir here, but there's nothing in our modern world <clears throat> that is possible without machining. Every single product no matter how it's made, whether it's made out of wood or plastic or metal or sheetrock or who knows what, it starts with machining right? The machines that make all the products or, or who knows what, the supply chain makes the tools, it's all starts with machining. And so it is so fundamentally important that these shops thrive, that they um, can, they, and, and there's lots of good positive trends, right? With onshoring and reshoring after COVID and all the crazy stuff happening in China. I think it's a good time to be in manufacturing, but it doesn't, but at the same time, it's getting more complex, more costly, harder to be competitive, harder to make margins. Um, and, but yeah, at the same time, it's never been more important to have businesses like that. So just thank you to everyone that does that. You
0: know, it's the challenges that, uh, raise the temperature so we can forge the steel. (laughs) Exactly. You know, get a good quench. Well, Paul, thank you for joining us. Thanks for explaining your silo busting technique and, um, Really want to thank you for shedding some light on the cybersecurity maturity model and uh, the requirements that are coming up because uh, a lot of our listeners uh, have a small piece of that that defense work and uh, they, they need to be paying attention. And so now they've heard it from somebody other than PMPA staff. So thank you.
1: You're very welcome. And thank you. This has been an absolute delight. I love your sense of humor. You're a fantastic uh, interviewer and host. So this has been a blast for me.
0: Uh, Very good. Thank you, Paul. And uh, say hi to everyone at ProShop ERP and uh, keep that orange marketing material coming.
1: (laughs) Thank you, sir. All righty. Bye now. Bye.